You are listening to the Weight Loss and Wellness for Real podcast with Heather Heinen, licensed professional therapist, mental health. Welcome to Weight Loss and Wellness for Real, the podcast where people like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the physical and mental weight so you can feel better and live the life you want in the body and mind you want. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating, overeating, binging behaviors, and move to a place of freedom with food and your body, you're in the right place. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me here for this episode. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about creating behavior change and should we do it from fear or from love or both. I'm also going to get into what the compassionate observer is for those of you who have not heard that term before. So behavior change from fear or love. This is a little bit of a delicate topic as I get a lot of clients who at first actually argue this with me over and over. They say things like they've only lost weight or been able to change a habit or behavior by inducing fear in themselves. So they give me ample evidence that fear works. So for example, when I tell myself I'm so fat and gross, or I tell myself no one will love you looking like this, so you better get to work, then I do it. These are the kinds of things I hear. It's like they need to be able to restrict in order to lose weight. I've actually done this too. You probably have as well, um, whether it's with weight loss or other things. But for many, many years, trying to lose a few pounds, trying to stop a disordered eating pattern, trying to react without raising my voice when there was conflict with my daughter. You know, I would try to do all this by telling myself, you're such a terrible person. You need to make these changes so you're normal like everybody else. Other things I typically will hear from clients are things like, I lost 20 pounds by restriction and disciplining myself anytime I overate. I would restrict food and feel shame and guilt, and this motivated me to keep going. And so that's an interesting idea, that many of us hold the belief that shame and guilt motivate us to keep going, or motivate us to lose weight, or motivate us to make the changes we need to make. Okay, so that's what we're going to jump into a little bit. I, When I hear these things, I usually, well, I always very gently, very gently remind these clients that that beat down self-talk um, in order to cr- try to create the behavior change they want actually didn't work because they are working with me now because they have gained all the weight back and usually plus some more, or they've stopped their once habit of working out and want to get back to it again, or they're back to exploding in anger with the people they love. So the habit or behavior was changed momentarily by them using uh, shame, guilt, but it didn't last. And that's the point for lasting behavior change in any aspect of our lives, weight loss included, but anything else we're trying to change for lasting change, we will not make that change permanent unless and until we adopt a new behavior pattern of thinking about ourselves, like our relationship with ourselves, how we see ourselves, how we speak to ourselves. We do not create permanent change without first making some adjustments there. Okay. So Let's say you want to lose weight, make some sort of change in our lives, and there's lots and lots of ways to do that. But remember 
that all behavior comes from a feeling. So when we want to make a change in our behavior, we need a feeling to get us to conjure up the new behavior. So let's revisit the framework for change. I um, have this all in a previous episode. So if you want more detail, you can go back to that. It's called framework for change or something like that. Um, But I wanna just quickly revisit it because I wanna make sure you really have that idea solidified. So the framework goes like this. We have a core belief about ourselves. And from this core belief, our identity is created. Our brain then populates thoughts for us that match up with that identity. And from these thoughts, we get feelings that, remember, have little chemical cocktails attached to them that create sensations in our bodies. And from these feelings and sensations, we are moved into behavior. We are moved to act in a particular way. And and from that behavior, we get our results. And from our results, we solidify our core belief. And the cycle continues. Remember, it's a cycle. It goes on and on and on. And also remember that we have simplified this cycle into this. Thoughts create our feelings, which create our behaviors. So to make a behavior change, to create a new behavior, a new habit, we need to jump into our thoughts first. It's here that we create our new feelings and therefore our new behaviors. Now, you can jump into thought work alongside behavior change as well, but you really need some of that thought work in place to keep the new behaviors going. Okay, so I want to go back to an example I gave you a few episodes back where I asked you to imagine a scenario where a child or maybe even a teenager is a good way to look at this, gets told every day by his parents that he's no good, stupid, worthless, can't do anything right. He gets those words and message over and over and over every day. He hears it over and over every day. He senses it over and over every day. He feels worthless, unloved, and afraid. I mean, the one person or people, his parents in this world who are supposed to love him, his parents, obviously do not. And that those are the thoughts he's having. Obviously, my parents don't love me and they're supposed to, but I guess I'm unworthy. I'm unlovable. I have no one to protect me or keep me safe. The message becomes his identity because it's now, it's now the, the way his brain is thinking. It's the pattern thoughts in his brain. And so ask yourself right now, how do you predict this teenager will behave? How do you think he's going to act? So for a while, um, he may try to do everything right to gain approval. He will walk on eggshells, become quiet, not press any buttons, just to try to get the love and approval from his parents he so desires. I mean, we as humans are just innately built that way. We want approval from our parents. But when there is when there's no words of approval, no compassion, no actions of approval, no love, he will begin to rebel. And this usually in teenagers will look like outbursts of anger and defiance. He he'll be he'll begin to become part part of situations where he proves his identity true. He proves the identity true. He's no good and worthless. And so we'll most likely get into things like substance abuse, breaking the law, really tough stuff like that. So harsh words and thoughts in ourselves create rebellion and defiance because we feel unloved, not protected, unsafe, and that we don't belong. So now think to yourself, 
how does it apply to the messages you give yourself all day long and how your behavior manifests from those very critical thinking patterns? If you choose to speak harshly and criticize yourself in order to try to punish you into changing, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about, like right at the beginning, you know, this belief system that I have to punish and berate myself in order to make change. You are going to have the exact same results that that teenager has. The burden of the critique you give yourself over and over and the exhaustion of trying to be perfect, you're eventually not only going to give up trying because it truly becomes so exhausting, like you literally have no more energy to try um, and you can't go any further and or you will rebel. You start doing the exact things you set out not to do. So when it comes specifically to weight loss or eating habits or creating healthier habits, it kind of looks like this. You know what you did in the past to lose weight or to create that behavior you wanted to implement or to stop a behavior you wanted to stop. You went on some juice cleanse or you, I don't know, I get stories of people eating only 800 calories a day. I did that for a while for a time period in my life. Um, or you exercised, you know, two hours every day for a month straight, uh, totally over-exercised, again, guilty, I've been there. You battled your own mind and thoughts into submission where you told yourself, I'm so gross, I'm so fat, I'm so abnormal, so you better lose weight this time. You need to do it. So you lost the weight and you felt amazing. And then over some time, or maybe even in one emotional situation, your behavior completely changed. Whether you are aware of it or not, thoughts began to populate that are not going to help you keep the weight off. Things like, well, we work so hard and I'm so tired and I lost the weight, so I deserve to let loose a little bit. Okay, so now we see the little beginnings of some rebellion. And so you start to eat a bit more than you were, or, or you just totally rebel at one time and have a huge binge again, or you start engaging in your old, you know, overeating or emotional eating behaviors just to try to find a little bit of relief again. And then the weight comes back on and even, well, typically much quicker this time and often even more than where you started off with. And so now you're back to where you started. You're beating yourself up again for having gained all the weight back. You failed. Um, all you can remember is how that, well, and then typically what happens, you get into this frame of mind is all you can remember, you know, is how that last diet really worked for me. You, you think back to, oh yeah, that restriction, um, the harshness, the beat down that worked cause I lost the weight. But when clients come to me like that, I really try to gently remind them, you know, you've forgotten how miserable you felt and how you became extremely exhausted with it all and how you felt you were always left out and you forgot that you gained the weight back, but it didn't work because here you are trying to do it again. So the harshness of your self-talk, the restriction mentality, the behavior that came from that did not work because it didn't last So if it didn't last, it didn't actually work. You're telling yourself the wrong story, an untrue story. You are right back to where you started. That diet did not work. And this is why telling ourselves the truth is so important. When we recognize that when we tell our false story, the story that we can change from harsh words and punishment, you know, we perpetuate the cycle of change 
that absolutely does not last. And the ups and the downs and the yo-yo dieting or the ups and the downs from any behavior change or habit we're trying to install or take away, the, the cycle of the ups and downs of that, it truly wipes us out. It's exhausting, takes all our energy, and it definitely does not allow for us to be living our greatest lives. We're so focused on trying to make that change. We can't begin to even you know, plug into what our greatest lives could be about, our goals, our dreams, and actually living that out. So the way to break this cycle is through a very different way of talking to ourselves. Okay, one thing I want to add here, this this really is not about telling ourselves all day long how we're so fabulous and amazing and I look amazing and you know all these things when we don't actually believe that. Positive thinking is a great skill that can be learned, but for most most of us it's just way too much at the beginning. So this is more about making small thought changes, small little shifts to our thinking patterns that still feel okay to us because those of us who have lived our entire lives berating and belittling ourselves definitely will not feel comfortable with encouraging and loving words to ourselves. So small little shifts out of the negative criticism, we are always running in the background. And by the way, you guys, until you start really being aware, paying attention to your thinking, that metacognition, thinking about your thinking, I'm telling you, this stuff really does run in the background. You may not even know this is going on until you start to become aware of your thoughts. So anyway, you know, these things in the background, things like I'm noticing I'm telling myself I'm a terrible person. That's just a habit thought from, you know, it's a thought from my brain. It's a habit thought from my brain. It doesn't mean it's true. So again, shifting our thinking patterns into on-purpose thinking. Again, here's the example, little shift. I notice I'm telling myself I'm a terrible person. That's just a habit thought from my brain. It does not mean it's true. Or something like this. I notice I'm thinking I'm so fat, but I'm working on it and figuring it out. So those are just small, small shifts to move more into neutral thinking. It doesn't have to be all that crazy, uncomfortable, positive thinking. Slow, small steps into neutral thinking a little bit at a time. This concept also... You know, it doesn't mean that we're going to become what I would call the permissive parent to ourselves. So, okay, I'm going to go off on a little bit of tangent here, but just hang with me for a second. I'll come back around, I promise. Okay, there are four types of parenting styles that we label um, in therapy or counseling. So there's authoritarian, authoritative. They sound alike, but they're very different. Authoritarian, authoritative, permissive and uninvolved. So each style of parenting has a different approach to parenting. So just real quick, quick and easy um, definitions of these. Authoritative are the parents I used in the, sorry, authoritarian. (laughs) Authoritarian are the parents I used in the previous example. Strict, overbearing, harsh, judgmental, Okay, and then you have uninvolved parents where the style is simply what it says. These are parents who are just not involved in their children's lives. The permissive parent is the parent who sets rules but rarely follows through or enforces them. Usually there's no consequences given. And just remember, consequences for behaviors are given with the intention to teach and shape behavior, not to punish. There is a difference between giving consequences and punishing. Okay, Permissive parents think their child will learn best without interference from them, so they just hang back. 
Okay, and then finally, we have the authoritative parent. The authoritative parent is the one who puts a lot of effort into creating and maintaining you know, a, a really positive and loving relationship with their child. They explain the reasons behind their rules to their child. They enforce the rules and they give consequences when appropriate, but they always take their child's feelings into consideration. They validate their children's feelings, um, not trying to fix everything while also making it very clear that the adults are ultimately in charge. So the authoritative parenting style sets rules and guidelines that are fair and clear because they love their child and want their child to succeed in all areas of their life. They emanate love and kindness and compassion for their children. Because of this type of parenting style, the child then feels safe and loved and moves into behavior patterns that create more of this, which means the child steps into a growth mindset. They have a core belief system of worthiness and that they have a life of purpose and meaning. They usually typically have healthy relationships. They're typically successful and mostly peaceful and happy humans. So take the examples from parenting styles and apply them to the relationship with yourself. How do you parent yourself? How do you talk to yourself? To create lasting change, you need to take the authoritative parenting style with yourself. So no authoritarian parenting. Remember, that's the harshness, the unloving parent. This creates rebellion and feelings of low self-worth. There would be no change in behavior with that kind of parenting. And you do not want the permissive parenting, the whole other side, where we allow ourselves anything and everything just because we feel like it and want it. Um... You know, so that's where you just let loose. Everything's go for it because I love myself so much. And so I'm not going to put any guidelines or restrictions on myself. No, that's not what this is about. And we also don't want to be the uninvolved parent to ourselves. This is pretty obvious. We need to be involved for change to take place. So we want to adopt the authoritative style, the loving adult involved, willing to set guidelines for ourselves, with the love and attention of moving forward to our goals. The different thoughts of compassion and encouragement that we really need in order to begin implementing and, and creating that lasting change really probably will feel a bit uncomfortable at first, but you will find if you practice it, you will start to feel some relief. And when you feel some relief, you gain back some energy and some lightness. And when you sense and feel energy and lightness, your behavior redirects itself to doing what needs to be done for lasting change, like actually starting a new health habit and finding it so much easier to stick with and follow through on. When we really incorporate this understanding of change from love and not fear and believe that to make lasting change, we need to shift our internal self-talk, we can then really plug into practicing it. So what I mean is you, you, once you really hold that belief and you understand this, it's time to start practicing it because it means you really can implement it. Your core belief is going to be there and able to line up with it. So again, this is an actual skill that can be learned. And so Just like any skill, we need to practice. So I'm going to give you, as I always do, a couple of practical strategies to try on this week to start to shift your internal dialogue, your self-talk. Okay, so first strategy, 
You can use what I call the compassionate observer method. So pay attention to your thoughts as a compassionate observer. Do not judge them. Just notice them. Just noticing and not judging is the observer part. It's kind of like um, what a scientist does, right? Like, like you really have to stay away from your own judgment. You are simply observing, so no judgment. Use compassion as you look at your thoughts non-judgmentally. If it's tough for you, think of how you would watch your most beloved pet or a child you love and, and how you would think about them as you watch them. So you, you might see them really making a mistake or messing something up, but because you act from compassion for them, you do not get angry or overly emotional or reactive towards them. You observe and you compassionately encourage them to redirect their behavior. You speak compassionately to them even when they make a mistake or screw something up. So this is exactly how you need to practice speaking to yourself. So if you're kind of like, I don't even know where to begin, that's where you begin. You need to think about how would I talk to a pet that I love or a a young child who I really love. That's how you need to start talking to yourself, observing your thoughts non-judgmentally and speaking in a compassionate tone of voice and with compassionate words. Okay, second strategy to try on is what I call sweet and firm. So this is the term I use for implementing the the authoritative type of parenting with yourself. I just find it's it's so much easier to remember because as you can hear me, I keep screwing up authoritarian and authoritative. They literally mean the opposite thing, but they sound so similar. So we're going to talk more about sweet and firm. So if you are sweet and firm with yourself, you are compassionate, you are sweet, you are kind, and you are firm with yourself just like a loving parent. You set behavior guidelines for yourself, whether these are with food, losing weight, maybe it's becoming a better employee or a better partner in a relationship. And when you step over these guidelines you have set for yourself, you gently, sweetly, and firmly redirect yourself. So it's not a mindset of permissiveness or authoritative speaking or words. It's about the sweetness and the firmness. So write these words down. Write down sweet and firm and put them in places you will see often throughout your day. Bathroom mirror is a good spot. Um, Opening the fridge is a good spot. Pantry is a good spot. Uh, I have often sticky notes taped to the dashboard of my car. You know, you just want reminders of these things. It's, It's the reminder to practice this kind of speech and thinking with yourself often throughout the day. Okay, so now you have two practical strategies of thought work you can begin to implement this week. Remember that all lasting behavior change ultimately comes from how we are behaving, which is derived from our feelings, which is cultivated from our thinking habits and patterns. So remember, our thoughts are ultimately what's creating our behavior and why you need to intervene into those thoughts to start creating some lasting change. It is taking small, doable steps every single day. Small, small steps that you absolutely, without a doubt, do not have an issue completing. You may have to stretch a tiny bit, but you know you can do it. You have the ability to make the changes you want to make. It just takes some practice.
Okay, head over to my social media for more resources. You can find me on Instagram at Heinen Counseling and Coaching. Heinen is spelled H-E-Y-N-E-N. Once you're there, feel free to get in touch with questions or comments, um, anything, weight loss, wellness, optimizing health, nutrition, thought work. Uh, I'm going to be including more and more questions as this goes on. I also have a recipes only page on Instagram at Peak Protein Recipes. Peak is spelled P-E-A-K. Um, I'm a huge uh, supporter of a high protein diet for weight loss and health and have been this way for many, many, many years. And so this page is all my um, high protein recipes that I've created. Um, and there's sweets and desserts included in that, but they're, they're ways of using foods you may really, really like, but a way to tweak them a little in order to create, um, some food where you're getting a little bit more protein in. Um, and if you keep listening right now, you're going to get more information on how my clients take a deeper dive on these topics with me through online programs and coaching. It's where you get the actual structured lessons, worksheets, journal prompts, support, and coaching behind all the information I'm putting out there to lose your weight for good, improve your health, and live the life you've been dreaming about in the body you've been dreaming about. I hope you are finding something useful from these episodes and this podcast. And if so, please share it with someone else in your life you feel it could benefit. This podcast is also now monetized. So if you really feel you are getting a lot from it and want to help keep it going, please go to the episode show notes. You can just scroll down from wherever you're listening. You'll see a description of the episode And then you will see it says support this podcast and then there's a link you can click on. You can click on that link and that's where you can support the podcast. Even the smallest donation like 99 cents helps to keep me producing the podcast. And to those of you who have donated, I really, really appreciate the support. I really do appreciate all of you listening and sharing the space with me. Again, just very thankful for all of you. Did you know you can find a lot more help from me on my website? Go to heatherheinen.com. Heinen is spelled H-E-Y-N-E-N. And get in touch with questions on all things I offer, like online courses for overeating, weight loss, goal attainment, and also my coaching and counseling services. 